Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 25 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. I'm coming to you today on the 30th of September, 2021, here in the northwest corner of Michigan on a beautiful sunshine day at the culmination of a swim challenge for me, the end of the third quarter of this year, the shift of seasons, and on what I have learned is International Podcast Day. So it feels appropriate to be here with you sharing thoughts, sharing concepts, sharing this experience of listening and of engaging in this medium that's relatively new and also relatively seasoned for us here in season three. And I haven't tabulated our total number of episodes, but that's something perhaps I'll bring to you in the next time around. I'm actually looking at the previous episodes and I see some of the playbacks and I notice a number of patterns of numbers in front of me, all of the fantastic guests who have joined me for the conversations episodes. And I thank you all for your participation, for your listening, for your sharing, and I encourage you to do so. And if you feel so inclined to leave a review on this day of celebrating podcasts all over the world and all different topics, taking that moment to offer what has been helpful for you and to recommend it to another is the greatest gift that you can give to your podcasters. So thank you for doing that here for This Osteopathic Life and take a moment and consider those that you really love. And if you have the time and the bandwidth to share for them as well. And so today, the main thing that comes up for me is the culmination of that swim challenge, as I mentioned to you. And we've talked about it in different iterations over these past four months. And that is where it began, although we could even look previous to that and see that it really began the year prior. So last year, in 2020, I was here in Northwest Michigan on many of these lovely sunny days, and I really didn't leave this spot, as many of us didn't stray from where we were by requirements, by choice within the pandemic. And it was the first time I had been in one location for such an extensive period of time. And even more specifically dedicated as such last year than this. And what I mean by that is I really stayed within this essentially one mile radius from my house. And what I noticed about that is I could transport myself by foot or by bike pretty much to all of the main locations. I did need to go to the co-op. If I wanted to go to the library when that was accessible, oftentimes with a phone in, right, and a drive-through pickup, and that would be a bike-through pickup for me to the hills to hike to the water's edge most frequently. And occasionally we would take a trip often just up the coast here in northwest Michigan to the big water, but otherwise we pretty much stayed close to home. And for someone who travels quite a bit, whether that be on a plane, which was relatively frequently in the time prior, 
usually around twice a month, or by car to visit friends and family across the state or across the country, across the region. It was a strange thing to be somewhere for so long. But what it facilitated for me was the ability to swim every day from the summer solstice to the autumn equinox, really in that time in the same spot on West Bay. Every so often I would swim swim in a different part of Lake Michigan, but really it was consistently in that space. And last year, my recollection is that I made it to around 95 days. So going a little bit beyond that solstice to equinox plan. And the reason for the ending of that was for travel back west. And if you recall, and if you were with me, and for many of you, you lived it very directly. I returned to Oregon originally planning to stay for the school year. But as the events transpired, particularly the Almeida fire, it became very clear that consuming more resources in that region wasn't the logical step for us. And as we had a home back in Michigan, that made the most sense. And so it was a fast trip. It was an airplane. It was on September 26th last year that I got on an airplane and went west. Not 100% sure, right? There was that question of, are we staying and figuring this out in this location or are we returning and figuring it out in this other location? And there was a podcast recording. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes here or in the comments when I post this on social media of that feeling of coming home. And it was really interesting. And it came from this space of opening the expectations. I wasn't obliged to stay. I wasn't required to leave. I was open to whatever transpired. And what resulted was feeling very much like I was in my home. And I recorded that podcast from my gym, Inconceivable Fitness, back in Ashland. And I did. I felt like, okay, this is it. And I recorded other podcasts from the back room amidst all of our things that had been excavated from a rental house. And I was at ease in a way I hadn't been in that space in more recent months prior to that return. What also became clear, just as there was that much ease and comfort and willingness to be there, that it wasn't the right thing. And it wasn't any fault of the place or the space. It wasn't because any place was better or worse. It just wasn't the right match at that point in time. The resources didn't make sense. The logistics didn't line up. And the feeling, right? There was this feeling of incongruency. And that word has come up a lot for me recently. And it was just very clear that staying there in that time was not the right piece. And there were certain factors that made it possible. One of the commitments we had in returning was in facilitating our oldest son's capacity to complete his eighth grade year and kind of culminate the experience of third through eighth grade with his classmates in this particular school where he was in Ashland. And in this virtual time, what was possible was joining in that class from a virtual medium in a different space. And while this was something that we had already done, because we had departed at the end of the previous school year for Michigan. At that point, everyone was virtual. And so it was less unusual, less uncomfortable for him to join in virtually because everyone was in that same space. It became a little more awkward on the time zone factor because he was starting school late and going to school late. And there were some benefits, right? Sleeping in, which can be a dream for many, but it could also make the evenings awkward in other ways. In any case, he found that it was doable. And when he returned, 
he was one of only a handful of students who were virtual while the rest were in person. And that incongruency made it less feasible, less comfortable for him, but he was making it work. What we also found in that time were the resources for our younger two children to go to school in person, which was a gift. And I recognize it as a significant privilege, as an opportunity that they had. And it was one that I am enormously grateful for because I do believe it was a saving grace for our family, for them to have that opportunity in that time. And not only for them, for the daytime, for their education, for their social interaction, but it led to a connectedness for our family with a number of other families from this school that allowed the transition back, which was unexpected, but agreed upon by all of us. And it allowed for this return to this place. We had circled round. We'd had the boomerang effect before. It allowed us to connect to it in a different way and to find some sense of normalcy. And we could talk all day about whether normal is a desirable space to be in, but a sense of some of those routine functions that made it feel real, it made it feel whole, it made it feel like home in that time. And as it turns out, because of those connections, my oldest son was able to transition to in-person school here in Michigan and still maintain connections to his school out in Oregon. And it turned out to be the best situation that none of us really predicted. And so at times, it does take planning and foresight, and it also takes now moment presence and willingness to adapt and address and shift and recognize and change course and hold on all of those different factors and so there in that time last year that concept was born of swimming consistently day to day to day and yes this really is the thread that we're taking through this episode and there was some sense of me of course who saw 100 was so close and yet it was very clear that 100 was not appropriate in that year because absolutely my presence was needed. We could say it was time. The congruency was for me to be back in Oregon in that moment. And I knew the swimming would pause. And could I find fresh water there potentially, although in a more challenged state as the resource of water and its limitations is one of the reasons that the fire and the smoke is so extreme there. And at the same time, it was also giving myself permission to let it be, to let that streak end at 95 and to recognize that 100 could very much be feasible and it wasn't in that moment and both of those were okay. And so as this year came back around, over the course of the winter, my husband and a number of our friends began a cold plunging experience. And it's so fascinating to me because I will swim in pretty cold water. In 55, 55 degrees Fahrenheit is pretty much my cutoff. I don't often swim in a wetsuit. I will for events, for races, more for the buoyancy factor and the benefit that it provides. And less so because of the insulation, though that's obviously a benefit as well. But there was a shift in perspective when it was just walking in and standing still in the water. Because I associated time in the water with the active movement, right, with swimming, with making progress from one point to another, from that physical exertion within the water versus standing still in the water. And I joined in for a few of the cold plunge events, some with some untoward side effects, some numbness in my hand that I think really came more from the shivering than from the water itself. But then as the spring approached, 
and my swim season was coming forward, it became much easier to get in the water. And you could say, well, yeah, because it got warmer out. And yes, the water was warmer than it was in midwinter or when they had to chip the ice away to get into some of the inland lakes. But it was also still quite cold. But if I would start to put it in the frame of reference of swimming, of being active in the water, it became less of an issue. And now we could debate whether or not that negates the purpose of the cold plunging and just being still in one and taking on that physical challenge. But in any case, it worked for me to begin to see it as this prodrome to my swim season. And I loved the vibe of the solstice to equinox, right? That seasonality of it, those two landmark events that celebrate transitions and are one with nature. And as that time approached and the water seemed more welcoming, it seemed to be more in alignment and congruent with the capacity to swim, I began to expand back. And I also thought about those numbers. I thought, okay, right, putting that solstice to equinox in place, that's around the 90 swim mark. What would get me more toward 100? Perhaps I back it up a little bit. You know, I saw that it got a little harder to swim near the end of the session last time because of the colder weather outside of the water. And so it began June 1st. And I thought about what qualified, right? Who gets to say? And really, it was me. There was no official challenge. There was no Guinness World Record to obtain. Speaking of which, and I'm going to put this in here now, although we could probably talk about it later too, as I completed a swim more recently, and it was relatively chilly in the water, and I was feeling proud of my hardened self getting in, there was an article, and I'll put this in the show notes as well, of a woman who completed the English Channel swim both ways, nonstop, always in the water. And that's, I think, 21 miles each direction is 25 plus hours total of submersion. And I thought, huh, right? There's always, there's always some other way to expand this. But in any case, my challenge was my own and the criteria were my own. And so I established from that beginning that 105 strokes would be the minimum to qualify as having swum on that day. And I remember those earliest days and the water was quite brisk and it didn't feel right to fully submerge head in face down all the strokes all at once so we do these little sets of you know kind of lifeguard strokes head out of the water freestyle crawl across the water 21 at a time sometimes 10 at a time until I would accumulate that 105 and then I would get out and I begin that process of transition on the shoreline and this would often garner conversations people who were walking their dogs or walking themselves on the beach in full kind of winter gear still in coats and hats and gloves. And here I was getting into the water in swimming, albeit briefly, there was an engagement. And so it began June 1st and relatively quickly, it became much easier to just swim. So go in and to swim for any length of time. That might be a few minutes. I'm on my watch. It might be some hundreds of yards. And eventually the buoys were placed and it took longer this year. And I even wondered, hmm, you know, maybe they're not putting them in. Maybe I'm just going to have to navigate this all on my own throughout the year. But they did arrive and there were once again 11 across the back line, which is always engaging and reassuring. And so the buoy swims began and it would be one length, one length back and forth and then two, sometimes three. And it would be at all different times of the day. And now what changed this year was that more of the swims took place in Cedar Lake. 
And this was by circumstance with our children's school taking place on the campus where this dock was present. And it was also warmer water, so you could swim longer sooner in this water that I had the experience of allowing the swim and the swim challenge to count even when it was in different bodies of water. And it also began to attract the participation of others, many from that nuclear group that we developed during the time of the pandemic. And now we were able to share this different experience outside in the aquatic medium together. And so sometimes that swim would be me, it'd be me and a handful of others, it would be me and a handful of others in the water and a number of people on various paddling devices on top of the water to chaperone us, to keep us safe. And the distances would extend. We might go halfway around the lake in one direction, then we might circumnavigate the longer side. And so the different experiences came into this same concept of a daily swim challenge. And it became fascinating to see how it would unfold. And it really was an unknown each day. The known was that it would happen. The unknown was where or when or how, how long, with whom. And all of those made it even that much more exciting. I never knew what might transpire on that day. It was open to various degrees of participation. So there was the constant of me in the water, 105 strokes minimum each day. And there was the creativity of the particular body of water, those who might join in the distance that was traversed, and certainly the conditions of the water, even those in the lakes were subject to various winds and waves over the course of those four months. And so we continued through June, right? And June is a welcoming month because you have made it through those really brisk swims. So once there's any hint of warmth in the water, you think, oh, this is amazing, right? And the sand becomes warmer each time. And July is really a peak month. And the conditions in July were pretty kind, not so many choppy days by my recollection. And once you get through the end of July, you realize, wow, I've already done 61 swims, right? And I've crossed that two-month mark. We're into this latter half of the challenge. And in August, there begins to be a different energy. You know, there's different levels of tourism here in Northwest Michigan. There were some different travels for our family. Certain activities begin to ramp up. So sometimes those windows of when the swim would take place could become a little narrower. And there were some margin swims where it was dark out, either in the morning or at night, and still fitting them in. And then September, and I'll have to share with you that it boggles my mind that it is the 30th of September today. Where this month has gone, I don't completely know. And I recognize that the return of school in person, again, a great gift for us, for our children, for our community, of the activities that our children are participating in, of work ramping up again on different levels. It definitely feels like it's been on fast forward. And surprisingly, as I looked back, I remember a few times last year that the water would flip. So you'd go one day and it was bath water and you could swim for an hour and it was lovely. You'd get on the beach and recover. And then the next day you would go and put your foot in and think, wait, what? Is this the same space that I was yesterday? And it would be like ice. It would be back into that 50 degrees easily. And I remember each time that happened thinking, oh, how long is it going to take to warm back up? And I would take the swim, usually with my head out and have to shorten it and get out of the water 
and freeze and have that hyperemic reaction in my skin. But without fail, it would warm back up relatively quickly and you'd get back to it. But that happened a couple times last year. And this year it didn't. It was reliably consistently warm, relatively speaking, depends on your tolerance levels. But the temperature was consistent. And then it just began to track back down somewhat appropriately with the season. But in September, we began to notice just in that insidious way that the water was colder. And I say insidious because you'd be in and be swimming. And if you're moving in the water, right, you're generating some heat, you're expending some energy, and you don't necessarily notice. But then once you get out, it becomes very clear. And that can be somewhat dangerous, of course, because if you stay in for too long and the impact is too great, although, again, asterisk with that recent um, English Channel swim, seems like, right, if 25 hours is manageable, then 25 minutes or 45 minutes could be as well, but we can examine that more closely. In any case, there were cooler swims, and September also brought with it some different travel. And admittedly, I arranged it around the capacity to swim when I knew water resources would be scarce on my destination side, and it gave me the opportunity to get creative and find bodies of water along the roadside. And when you're in Michigan, that's pretty easy to do, making sure it's a clean lake, you know, something you want to double check. But it was actually a fun way to get to know parts of places I had visited previously in new ways. And also to trust that while variables could change, much like the temperature and the conditions and the people and the timing, so too could my actual geographic location, unlike last year, and I would still show up and complete the challenge. And I'll offer that one swim last week almost was questionable on the count. It was 105 strokes, but they were somewhat awkward. It was definitely face out because sometimes here up north, when there is significant rain, there can be concerns about the churn and the water quality. And I thought better safe than sorry in that effect. But all the way around, most times I've completed at least a quarter mile, more often at least a half mile. Many times, a thousand or more yards, oftentimes a mile, sometimes looking more toward that 2,000 meter, 3,000 meter, and on the longest swim, a 4,000 meter swim. And just putting in place the possibility and trusting myself to keep going and recognizing that I'm not a sprint swimmer, but I have good stamina in embracing that for myself. And so here we are today. Yesterday was the penultimate swim of this challenge because it was June through October. So for me, that means through the end of September, right? As I arrive on October 1st, I have completed the challenge. Yesterday was also the 121st consecutive swim. And if you've been with me for any length of time, you'll know that that 11 squared number has high value, high meaning for me. And it felt like a great opportunity. The water actually has warmed up a bit this week and the weather has been fantastic just these last couple days particularly even the difference between the early part of this week and right now which is a Thursday is marked and it has made it for an easier recovery from the swims and a consideration for going a bit longer and it was before yesterday the day before yesterday that the buoys came out and that feels about the same as last year interesting it's a different numeric day it's a different weekday for whatever reason it matches up with this near end of the swim. And so I head out 
in the next few minutes after I conclude this podcast to complete the final swim. Swim number 122, the swim on the 30th day of September to close this quarter of the year and to close this four months of experience and to reflect on what it means to take on a challenge and to show up every day to recognize where we have the constant to contribute when there are so many variables otherwise that are beyond our control to recognize that a challenge can be a source of connection can be an opportunity for creativity it can certainly be an element of collaboration as it was so much more this year with the inclusion of others in the swim experience or for those who provided surface level support to keep me safe on those longer journeys. And it offers the opportunity for contentment to have set the challenge and to have shown up and completed it. And it feels most appropriate to share this as I sit on the shore from a few blocks away, heading toward that swim, because I can know that I will complete it. Even as I sit here now, recording this for International Podcast Day, and for episode 25 in this third season, because I've shown myself that I can live into that guarantee. So I inquire with you, what is something that you seek? What is a challenge you would like to undertake? Where is a space in your life that there might be a lot of inconsistency, perhaps some chaos, uncertainty, lack of control? And what opportunity do you have to be the constant, to be that sure thing, to truly know you can stand by the guarantee to make that happen? And how might you Set the bar appropriately low. And I said that as I meant it. Set it appropriately low for yourself so that you can guarantee success, recognizing that you can always exceed it. But in creating that space where you know, without a doubt, you can show up and deliver, that you will build that sense of confidence in yourself, that sense of security, that sense of trust and consistency, just as it was 105 strokes that were the requirement, 100% self-imposed. And it was only on a handful of days that that was actually the only volume that was achieved. And those days were just as much as a success as those when 10 times or 11 times, let's be honest, 105 strokes is what actually happened. Or many, many more than that. And 4,000 meters became the distance. Those successes landed in the same space because ultimately the challenge was to show up consistently, daily, and swim. That was it. Anything else beyond that was a bonus, a welcome bonus, a celebrated bonus indeed. But it wasn't required and it didn't undermine the success of any of the shorter swims. So we have the opportunity to look at what feels right, what is congruent with our mission, our vision, our goals, and that can be on the largest scale, that can be on the smallest scale, it could be a challenge that is only one day to the next, 
It could be a challenge that expands across the month, the quarter, the year, the decade, the lifetime. What's something you would like to do for yourself? What's a way you'd like to show up? And how can you support yourself in honoring and creating that consistency? I will share with you next time what it was like to complete that final swim. I have an idea, but it also hasn't happened. So I'm open to whatever experience might transpire in this next little while. I thank you for joining me to review this experience. I thank you for joining me for all the episodes where we've touched on this throughout the past four months and in all the episodes previous for all the different ways we've engaged and seen the power we have when we show up for ourselves when we honor that which we can truly control and we recognize that we are absolutely in charge of our own contentment. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.